Hello, this is Jeremy from Gaia Kosovo. Today, for the 10th and last episode of the Reflection Podcast series, we are talking with Sebastian Sherifovic, a Roma activist who has been working to achieve equal standards in education, human rights and employment for the Roma people in Kosovo and abroad for almost two decades. In 2015, Sebastian was elected deputy mayor for communities in the municipality of Grčenica. During his four years term, the municipality adopted the Roma language for official use, the only municipality to do so in Kosovo. Sebastian has also worked with UNMIC, OSCE, UNHCR, Council of Europe, Terre des Hommes and other organizations. He currently works with Roma Versitas Kosovo as senior project manager. Today, He will talk about what it means to be a Roma in Kosovo and how positive change can and will come. We want to apologize for the quality of the sound of this episode, for which the recording conditions were not optimal. But we hope you will nonetheless enjoy it. Sebastian, and thank you very much for joining us for this last episode of the Reflections Podcast. It's an episode a bit different because for the first time we are live. We are not on a Zoom meeting online because Gaia and Roma Versitas are now sharing a space, a very wonderful working space in Pristina. So thank you for joining. And today we're going to talk about the Roma communities in Kosovo and what is the state of things. But because some of our listeners might not know everything about this, I will start with a very introductory question. Could you share with us a brief overview of the history of Roma people in the Balkans and especially in Kosovo? Well, it uh, depends what you mean when you say history of Roma people in Balkans and in Kosovo. But what I can say is that since uh, the 17th century, when Roma people left the northern part of India, or a place that is now called Punjab, they have been spread all over Europe and uh, then Balkans and Kosovo as well. I can't really tell you the exact dates of when, okay. when it happened, but I can really say that Roma people have... Uh, a very uh, uh, long and lasting history in Balkans. Unfortunately, all the political events that we see today and uh, that show that throughout history, uh, Roma people somehow, because they are the weaker, the weaker part of the community, Roma people has been always misused or even to use the word uh, used as a scapegoat for different uh, issues, whether in history or politics uh, that occurred uh, in the past decades. Yeah, and as you said, so now the Roma communities in the Balkans and also in Kosovo, they have this role, this status of being a bit in the margins of society. Mm -hmm. So could you explain a bit what are they facing as systematic problems, systematic discrimination? Could you maybe explain what is the life of a Roma person today? It's a very good question. Uh, in order to explain that, I would first have to go to the, the way Roma people live. You know, unfortunately, because of discrimination, and we are talking about centuries of discrimination, just like anybody else would do, what Roma people did is they decided to live among themselves and to create their own little communities. You know, because it is very difficult uh, to trust people after all the atrocities committed uh, towards Roma people, you know, the Second World War, the First World War, uh, the recent Balkan Wars, uh, you know, And uh, Roma people really, it was very difficult for them to trust anybody. So therefore they 
pull themselves back into the communities. Now what happened? The society basically started to see this as a bunch of people who don't care, you know, which is, which is very ridiculous. Uh, not understanding the idea and let's say the psychology behind the reason why Roma people live in the communities. Now what is happening? Uh, within these communities, Roma people has sort of become unimportant to the society. You know, they live in, uh, in worse conditions imaginable. And now I'm talking about not only about Balkans and Kosovo, but I'm talking about literally everywhere where Roma people live in communities. So ba basically what I'm saying is because of this distrust towards other communities, Roma people live in their, within their own communities. And then we got a lot of uh, blame from the majority side, meaning that, but why do they live among themselves? You know, and I always ask or answer in the same way. I ask them, and I ask this everybody, whether you are French, Italian, German, uh, American, or, or, or Albanian or Serbian, I'm asking them the same question. What would you do if you have uh, centuries of discrimination, if you have uh, centuries of people looking at you as you don't matter to the society, how would you decide uh, to spend your time and your life? You would probably try to seek understanding among your own community. And what makes it even harder is you will probably try to isolate yourself from all the rest, or how do we call them, the gadget, the ones that are trying to in any way uh, that don't, don't like us. We will try to be in our own community, communities, and within our own communities, we find this peace and this trust that, we, that every human being needs. And this is what everybody would do. The problem comes when, for example, if we speak about politics, and it's a good time to speak about politics with the elections coming in Kosovo, the problem comes when, when it comes to representation of Roma people, because the politics, I mean, now it's becoming different, but let's say in the past, let's say 20 years ago, the politics didn't really matter to Roma, because it was very difficult to imagine that uh, Roma can influence the happenings or influence uh, anything, any, any kind of situations that they have. Recently, this is changing. Me working for Roma Versitas Kosovo, we are dealing mainly with students. And when I say students, university students. And just recently we talked amongst ourselves and I realized that there is uh, this awakening happening, especially with the youth. I mean, you can see it also here. We have many Roma students, both male and females, who are studying different branches of uh, of universities and they are quite uh, changing this mindset of the people that Roma are now just living in a community. But no, we are going out, we are showing ourselves and, and we are showing how proud we are of our origins, of our ethnicity, of our names. I mean, it is still not in such a high level the way we would like to see it, but the awakening is slowly happening. I'm sure that uh, from now, like in 10 years from now, things will drastically change when it comes to Roma. You know, and, and I say this in a positive, in a positive way. We will have more educated uh, Roma people. We will have Roma people who are, who care more about uh, their own uh, community, who are trying to make a change, to make a change within their communities. And then what they will do is, the only way to make a change within their communities, they will start uh, putting themselves into the local governance. And the minute you put yourself in the local governance, this is when uh, you can start making small but visible changes. Like for example, in Gracianica, we have a Roma language in official use. You know, uh, uh, we are trying to use Gracianica as a positive example for other municipalities in Kosovo. And these are the kind of small things that we can do. It takes a long time. But with these efforts that we are putting right now, especially at our students, 
I really believe that this mindset is going to become to be changed in the future. So you started to answer this already a bit, but what do you think are the steps for tackling this marginalization? Mm. And in this, I'm talking about public authorities, but also civil society. But you see, I mean, first of all, you know, I love this term NGO, non-governmental organizations. Unfortunately, in Balkans, I can freely say that NGOs that operate, they are very rarely that they are non-governmental mm. institutions. And uh, in many cases, uh, for example, like I, I saw this in my everyday working life, in, in many cases, in order to be, to be accepted to get a project or something, you needed to make a deal with the government. And then you, you, your voice becomes lower because you can't uh, argue with your donors in a way. And this non-governmental institution has really, is really dying. It's just my humble opinion. There are very few of us who are really trying to to raise our voice and to, to tackle marginalization, to tackle different issues that comes uh, with the marginalization. Uh, that's one thing. For the NGOs, they need to be more active and less uh, pro-government. Let's put it in that way. In political level, as I said, you know, there is this awakening happening now. There is this awakening happening now, which means a lot of educated trauma are running their, their, their little political initiatives. And they're young and full of energy and they're trying to make this difference. However, we can't do it alone. Let me put it this way. Uh, if if uh, government uh, has uh, 80 uh, seats, we only get one. And what can one against 79 do? Very little. We can't really influence real changes. And this is where we need help of the government. We need uh, this understanding and the political will to really make changes within our own uh, little municipalities, societies, because this is where it needs to start. And if we speak about the municipalities, we really need uh, understanding and political will to cooperate with Roma. Which, um, as you know, I, I, I'm an ex-deputy mayor in my municipality, but uh, I'm telling you this because for years, when I was there, we had at least three, four people working within the municipality. And, you know, Roma people have somewhere to go. It's different when you can access services in your own language uh, with, with, with the person that you trust. Then when you go and try to access services in a Serbian or Albanian language with, and, and with, with the people that you're not sure if they're willing to help you or not. And this is what Roma, being Roma everywhere in Balkan, this is what you face with in everyday life. And I'm meaning like four years later, there are no Roma in Gracianica, employed by the municipality. And then you come to the question like, okay, but how do we enhance this cooperation? And what does it mean when we say, you know, Roma are equal to the others when the simple law of Kosovo is not being respected, which is 10% of minorities should be employed within the institutions? And we don't have that. So there is really like this lack of understanding and or maybe there is understanding. If there is understanding, there is lack of political will to really influence these issues of marginalization especially when it comes to education. Because as a Roma child, as a young Roma child, what you need to do in order to be educated is besides your language, you need to speak the language to learn the language of the majority. I, for example, when I was a kid, I, I spoke Roma at home, but in order for me to go to school, I had to learn Serbian. You know, and, and as such, 
it was more difficult for me to even have understanding in school or understand the teacher because uh, Serbian language is not my primary language than for the rest. And then it takes you time, as a Roma, it takes you really a long time to, to be part of the group, to be part of your peers. Because you, you have this feeling of uh, self-inferiority. You, you're not like the, the rest. The rest will probably have a good future, you will not. And this is a big issue for us. And we are trying now, and I'm hoping that we are going to succeed, we are trying now to have at least Roma language in, in Serbian school systems, in Albanian school system, because this will help uh, our children, this will help the future generations to have more pride in what they are and who they are. When we speak about marginalization, education is number one priority for us. And it is priority for everybody that works in this uh, uh, field of uh, let's call it Roma activism. But the problems comes when very little attention is being, or no attention is being paid to that. You know, because nobody understands how a child feels as a Roma, you know, especially with your fewer means than the others. You know, nobody can understand how, the, how that child feels, let's say, from the first to fourth grade, which is, let's be honest, is the, 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 the main years of development of a child. And during these main years of development through a child, you have this issue of uh, have, having the, the, these complexes where you cannot do better than Albanian or Serbian. Why? Only because discrimination exists. Let's be honest. I mean, uh, no matter what we, no matter what, how much we are, we are, a lot of people are trying to hide it. When I say hide it, uh, I mean, I really mean in, in, in that, in, in the specific, in, in that sense, hiding discrimination. Why? Because no school authority is going to tell, yes, we have discrimination against Roma children. And if you go to them and tell them, okay, you know, you should pay specific attention to Roma child because it is very difficult for him or her to, to be equal to the rest, they will tell you, yes, but our school is very democratic, we don't have these issues, you know, discrimination doesn't exist here. However, if you ask the child, then it is really becoming another another issue. You know, and I'm telling you this with uh, with proofs. And, and my only proof is, for example, I have I have uh, three children that go to school. And the biggest difficulty for me as a father, it was when my child, uh, who was the first grade, meaning he was uh, seven and a half, who went to school. And after three, four days, he comes to me and asking me, Daddy, what does Tsigani mean? Tsigani is a pejorative word to use against Roma. And me as a father, I felt heartbroken because my child is asking me this question because I didn't raise him in that way. I did not raise him to teach him pejorative words. I raised him to be equal to the others, to be respectful and everything. And this is, I'm telling you this example because this is what is happening every day in a child's life. And then what happens as a child, if you right away encounter, the first thing that you encounter is this. People are calling you pejorative words. How do you think you are going to continue school? Of course, you're going to have less access less will to study because you are not the same like them. You know, they're going to have, as I'm telling you, as a child, I, was, I, rem I still remember sitting in a, in, a, in a desk and looking at all my peers and thinking, my God, they're probably going to have an amazing future. God knows what will happen to me. Okay, it turned out differently. <laughs> it really did turn out differently. Like, I see most of them now are like really doing something else and I'm doing my dream job. You know, what I'm trained for, what I, what, what I like to do. And it's different, but still, as a child, when you think like that, it is more difficult to access. Not to access, but to, to be equal to the rest. Now, let's leave education and go to employment, other social issues that are, that are directly impacting uh, Roma people. I told you at the beginning, Kosovo has a law where 
all public companies, authorities have to employ 10% of minority communities. I, you know, if you go now to municipalities, to municipalities, different municipalities, and if you ask how many Roma are employed, you're gonna find, like, as I said, like in Manispato Gacharitsa, zero. And then you ask yourself a question, okay, there is lack of will. This is implementation of this law, there is lack of will. People literally don't want to implement the laws that they brought, you know, that could, that could uh, greatly impact the livelihood of the Roma people, that will, that will greatly impact the social structure of Roma people. Because employment right now is number one issue, and I dare to say not only for Roma, but for everybody. However, uh, being, being more discriminated, uh, living, living in the communities and not having access to services, Roma are being more impacted by the social inequality. And this is another great challenge and obstacle for all of us who are human rights activists and who are trying to impact uh, positive changes in Balkans and, and Europe, let's say. Other issues, so we said education, employment, all the issues, access to healthcare is different for Roma. You know, like if you go to a public healthcare and you are Roma, we had issues in Kosovo where Roma people were denied healthcare just because uh, based on how they look or what they wear, it, it's visible everywhere in Balkans. Very few people talk about it. That's why we are working now on, on raising this awareness of negative impacts of discrimination, because I want, I want people to be able to stand up and speak about discrimination. This way we will know the issue and this way we can solve. Start small issues, but we can solve small issues. But, you know, very few people talk about it. And let's not talk about the invisible discrimination or, or indirect discrimination. In which, what do you mean? Indirect discrimination is, uh, for example, like, let, let's take, a, let's take a man, any municipality as an example. Uh, you are searching for a minority to apply for a specific uh, job, but what you do is you raise the bar so high that, this, that even though you, you have Roma as the main, point, the main target group that you want to apply, but you, you, you are looking for PhD. You know, and, and this is an indirect discrimination because, you know, you, you have to be, have this positive affirmation at least a little bit in order to have access to local level decision-making processes. You know, not only that, but uh, <laughs> indirect discrimination is when a lot of people, uh, and this is happening in Balkans all the time, like, you know, oh my God, but I have nothing against Roma. I like Roma people. And you're like, yeah, but there's no need to like me. I'm <laughs> like, there's really no need. You know, we are all human beings. We can love, uh, we can hang out or not. But there's no need to put such a like very important thing. Like, oh my God, I used to play, I used to play football when I was uh, five years old with Roma. And you're like, wow, you know, clap for them and be happy that they are, that they used to have friends. And this is how the the, the people do because they really, I mean, some of them really truly believe that they don't discriminate. You know, however, they don't realize that they do just by the fact that you, last time you played with Roma was when you were five years old. <laughs> now you're 35 and, you know, like what happened to this? You know, what happened to the five-year-old Roma that you played with? You know, so this is this kind of idea. This is the way people try to defend themselves and be like, okay, but we are not discriminatory. And this is happening to us like in real life. Like if you are in a, in, a, in, a, in a conference or something and you stand up and you, and you speak about the discrimination, you speak about uh, the social inequalities and, and, you know, and then you have people, and this happened to me, you have people who are taking right away the defensive point. We're like, yeah, my God, but there is no discrimination in Kosovo. And you look at them and, okay, maybe there's no discrimination with you and I, 
But I'm sorry, there is a fact that there's so many cases that we know of people being discriminated, of people being denied social services, and then you know, of people still living in the in, in the communities without having having the ability to to interact with the others, and then you're like, okay, but maybe you don't discriminate, but there is such a thing as institutional discrimination, which is very visible, especially in politics right now. It's interesting because at first you said that they would need to have more representative of the Roma so that the Roma people could approach them and, you know, have this feeling of confidence mm -hmm. and trust with them more easily. I would extend that it's true of any institution. If you have a Roma policeman going in a Roman neighborhood, of course, it will go in a better way. Exactly. If you have a firefighter, if you have a doctor, if, mm. in all those cases, I think this could be interesting. And that's exactly. where the public authorities have a role to play. It's like to actually engage and to hire those people. Exactly. Not only that, but you know that there is a law also that in this 10%, like every public institution, such as police or military, they need to have a Roma in there. Mm -hmm. Like, again, I'm sorry to take only Gracianic's example, but this is where I come from. Gracianic's a police station, for example. They have Serbian, Albanian, Gorani, and mm -hmm. I think even Turkish representative. And there are not many Turkish minorities living in Gracianic's. Mm -hmm. No Roma. What we did, for example, when I used to be a deputy mayor, was we managed to get three Roma from municipality of Gracianic's to apply for the uh, police academy. And they passed all the exercises, all the tests, written exercises, and they became policemen. My goal here was to bring a Roma in the police because it's not fair that we don't have a Roma. What happened was this Roma was sent to Pristina or somewhere. And then you're like, okay, but you know, there's, there's this thing that we call multiculturalism. And then people complain, like complain, we cannot find educated Roma. You know, and, and in this day and age to say we cannot find educated Roma is ridiculous. Roma Versitas alone has over 500 students who passed only through us, like through our scholarship systems and everything. And of course we have a lot of educated Roma. Of course we have Roma who are doing their doctorates and doing their masters and who finished. You know, but the problem is the access to this uh, is, lacks a lot in Kosovo. You know, and like especially in a political spectrum. I mean, you know, everybody, every political party is trying to get their own members and then in this way they disregard the Roma and as I said that one person really cannot make a huge change but what we can do now is raise our voice not stop here you know and we are really not stopping we are going to continue to raise awareness to raise our voice and to ask to seek for justice if not a justice this is one thing in Kosovo that I don't understand we have some most amazing laws in favor of Roma but the problem is the implementation of these laws it's almost non-existent you know, like uh, Gracianica, I'm sorry again, <laughs> Gracianica is the only municipality in Kosovo that adopted Roma language in official use. The only one. What we did was we, we saw the opportunity, so we saw the law, we took the law, we, and we went to the local uh, administration and we asked them to vote for the law. And of course, it, it takes a lot of advocacy, it takes a lot of convincing to do that, but we managed to do it. Now the law is applicable in Gracianica. However, we don't have one Roma working there. Like, this is what I'm talking about when I say implementation of these laws, it's non-existent. I cannot even say it's less satisfactory. It's really non-existent. And, and again, basing yourself on only few, it's also not an answer. You know, like uh, what governments do is they like to have their puppets. And this is really a big problem for us. And when I say puppets, like, uh, you know, they don't take the best 
that we can offer. They take the worst that we have, and this is how they satisfy their democracy achievement. And the, the way to satisfy your democracy achievement, and I'm talking about the majority community, both Serbian, Albanians, and I'm talking about Balkans, Croatian, Bosnian, Montenegrins, I'm talking about Balkans in general. The way they satisfy this democracy and tell to themselves that, okay, we have democracies, to say that we have one Roma working with us. It's ridiculous. And you're like, okay, but it's only one. So let's not go beyond, like, don't be, let's not be satisfied. We need, but try to pick the best of us. And then when the best of us decides to be in the, let's say, in the local level, this is when, this is when the lack of uh, possibility to do things, they, they stop them in their own ways. You know, whether it is through neglect, uh, whether it is through uh, political changes that are happening, whatever, you see, but they stop them. You know, and then you are not welcome because you are, you know, the people like to take the wars that we have and then be like, okay, here you go. This is representation of Roma that we have in Kosovo. I'm going back a bit to the human level, you know, mm -hmm. the individual level, uh, because you mentioned this feeling of inferiority for the Roma people and yes. how it's one of the main issues. And that's this abstract thing that we should change. It's very interesting because uh, there is this idea that in social psychology, that we all have labels and we get labeled by the others. And it's something that we see in other oppressed people, like the black Americans, for instance, mm -hmm. they've been labeled in a certain way for generations. Mm -hmm. So they feel like it, they, they, they start to adhere to it, you know, mm -hmm. to become the label. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we can say easily that this is the case also from uh, in the Balkans. So there is this issue of the label, of the people, how they perceive Roma, how they interact with Roma. Mm -hmm. And we talked a bit about this, but then how do you change this label? How do you break it? How do you change the minds of the other people, the non-Roma? Mm. How, if you have some people that are a bit narrow-minded, what would you say as a Roma activist? You know, I intentionally talked to you about this uh, feeling of uh, less when it comes to being uh, Roma, uh, because this is something that I felt. And in my experience, uh, basically what I did was I had, uh, I had more possibilities. I was offered more possibilities to study, to learn. I don't mind telling you, like, for example, from the first grade of primary school until the seventh grade of primary school, I was not good at school at all. It was difficult for me because I still didn't understand the reason. Because, you know, you don't feel like the, the, the rest. You know, but then at seventh grade, something happened to me. You know, like a click, which is, you know, okay, no matter what happens, you're gonna, you have to be educated first. You have to know, you have to read, you have to analyze, and then, you know, at some point, let, the, let life lead you, you know. And basically, this is what happened to me personally. But how do we change this? Um, with education, through education, but also through contacts. Like, you know, like, that's why we applied for the Europeans uh, Volunteer Corps, because uh, we, we really believe that in order to present this positive picture of the Roma community will change people's uh, preconceived idea, ideas about Roma. You know, the first thing that you, like in Balkans, the first thing that, that people think when you speak about Roma is thieves, uh, musicians, you know, not doctors and lawyers. Now, again, I don't mind this beautiful side of being Roma. You know, the music is very beautiful, it's fair to have it, but it, there is this stereotype about Roma. You know, it's thieves, dirty, uh, musicians, uh, beggars, uh, 
Uh, this is how people think when you say, especially for somebody who never had a, uh, a discussion like you and I are having now about orbitaroma, you know, and then this is, uh, imagine somebody who goes through his whole life and never having to discuss, to talk with Roma. This is how they think about, about us. So I think this will be changed through, this can be changed, it's not impossible, through contacts, through uh, uh, making sure that we bring people to Roma community, but also take Roma community to the people through, uh, through activism, through human rights activism, to human rights learning. Basically what we need to do is create more uh, uh, fighters within Roma who are going to stand up and for themselves who are going to be able to, uh, to explain to non-Roma about what, is, what does it mean being Roma. So this is, the, I think, one of the only ways that we can change this uh, social idea of what people have against uh, the Roma people. It's not impossible, again, I think it's very possible, but it, it, it will require a long time. This is not something that can be changed uh, in a day or two or in a year or two. It will require a lot of more educated Roma, which is very important for us. It will require brave Roma people you know, which is also very important for us. It will require, it will require to, to change the politics in both local and central levels. You know, like the Roma do in Croatia, they have quite an amazing representation there. Can you explain a bit? Well, there is a, a yeah, I forgot the name of the guy. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> yes. I forgot the name of the guy, but I know that he's doing some amazing work and he's now uh, running for the parliament as well, European parliament, and he's doing amazing things, you know, and this is what we need more. We need more Roma who are able to, who are going to work for Roma and not become a puppet of the political uh, structure. And being a puppet of political structure is something that is in our history. When I say in our history, I mean, it is well known that the only time when people pay attention to Roma is during the election period. When the elections are there, everybody loves Roma. You see a lot of, you see faces that you never saw in Roma communities who are really happy to be there with them, you know? And then you're really wondering like, okay, um, what about after elections? And literally after elections, day after it's done. My last question would be yes. a bit different. And you talked, you mentioned it a bit. I wanted to talk about the music. Mm -hmm. So I come from France. I don't have this uh, big knowledge of how people perceive the Roma music here in the Balkans. Mm -hmm. But even in France, we have this love for exactly. Roma music. And I say this thing that... Not everyone likes Roma, but everyone loves their music. And for me, this is a bit weird. This is yeah. just this only, this only face that we would see of the Roma people. Yeah. And then you have those non-Roma people also, you know, playing this music, making money out of this music. And I wanted to ask you what you think of this. Uh, how do you get back to acquiring this as a Roma thing, as a Roma culture and making it understood as such? You know... I read a long time ago a quote of Malcolm X. He said, if white people would love African-Americans as much as they love their music, then I would have nothing to do. I would have no work to do. And I'm saying this, this for Roma. If majority people would love Roma as much as they love our music, then we wouldn't have issues at all. But unfortunately, this is uh, being uh, seen in different way. Again, I told you about this uh, stereotype, you know, that Roma are musicians. But let's be honest, we are not only musicians. And this is something that has to be understood. You know, we are like everybody else. Like everybody else. You know, I'm telling you, but, but being in Balkans, it's very difficult being Roma. Because in Balkans, you're more labeled than in Europe. 
and I'm saying this again in my own experience. Uh, maybe I told you this story, but I will tell you again. Uh, for example, you know, the, the most amazing, like the interesting feeling that I had when I first studied in the, like the first two weeks in, in Geneva, in Switzerland, it was somebody approaching me and going like, oh my God, are you Spanish? And for me, that was like, wow. Somebody's asking me, are you Spanish? And they're not asking me, are you Tsigani? Mm. Are you Majup? Are you Gypsy? You know, and that was a new, new thing for me because coming from Kosovo, this is how you are labeled. It's, it romanticized too much. And when you romanticize certain group of people too much, it really doesn't give them too, much, too many opportunities to do anything else. You know, because you are Roma, you should be a musician. You are Roma, you should sing. You are Roma, you should paint, you know, which is beautiful again. But I think people should know that there is more to being Roma than music. That doesn't mean that I don't love Roma music. It's one of the, I mean, I think Roma music and Roma lyrics and Roma people have gave a lot to the, to the, to the history of the world. Can you imagine this world without Roma? Can you imagine this world without Roma music? Can you imagine this world without Roma poetry? I honestly cannot, because it is, we, we, this is something that we gave to the world. But again, it's, that's not it. You know, we are more than just musicians. We are more than just uh, uh, human rights activists. We are humans. And as humans, we are the same as everybody else in the world. But the problem is again, and, I'm, and now we, we, if you speak about European level, is the same problem like in Balkans. You know, this neglect towards Roma people is, is crazy everywhere in, 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 in Europe. You almost don't want to acknowledge the fact that they are there. You know, and, and you know, we are not talking about a small community. We are talking about 12 million people in Europe. That's a huge number. You know, out of those 12 million people, can you imagine how many of them live in poverty, how many of them live in uh, terrible conditions? And again, you know, but this is the idea of neglecting the minorities, the, the Roma community in this case is really, is still very visible and exists everywhere. But yeah, I think we need to be more outreach, we need to have more outreach to other people, we need to invite other people with us. I think we as a Roma, we shouldn't be uh, closed anymore. This is 21st century, we should be more outgoing, we should be more open. But, you know, and that will come, that will happen. I think slowly uh, the image of Roma is being changed, not as much as we would like to. But I think, I think we are able to influence some parts of it in Balkan. And I'm sure that this will happen for Europe too. Like they will change their mind about these preconceived ideas about Roma and start taking them as partners, not as uh, those people there. But the minute you take them as partners, as somebody that you can talk to, as somebody that you can together come up with decisions, it, it really makes, it makes a whole difference. When you try to do it on your own, we don't trust you. You have to involve Roma. You have to include Roma everywhere. You have to have them there in order to to really uh, uh, fight uh, social inequalities. Sebastian, thank you very much. This was very insightful, very positive message, and I hope that our listeners will have learned something, maybe changing their mind in a good way. And I hope, like you, that change will come. Thank you very much. I'm sure the change will come. Uh, I would like to thank to all your listeners and uh, keep on listening to your podcast. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for listening. This was the last episode of our Reflection podcast series. Last episode for now. As we said many times, 
We wanted to celebrate Gaia's 10 years of work, but we might come back to you with new episodes and new stories to share. Thank you for listening to what our speakers had to say. We hope you got inspired by what you heard and that you will spread the good word. The Reflection Podcast series was created by us, Mevu Descouroshi, Celia Duplessis, and Jeremy Floro. Graphic design, Isabella Markova. Theme song, I Will Go Out to Run Now, by Le Gang. Many thanks to all our guests for giving a bit of their time and a lot of their inspiration. You can listen to all the episodes on Spotify and share them with the people you care about. Feel free to connect with us if you wish to. Back to you soon. Thank you.